0: A new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley. With premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more. All built to last.
2: Welcome to Too Many Lawyers, I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, it is now Monday, the 15th of February, it's President's Day. Happy
3: Valentine's Day, everybody, hope it was nice.
2: Yeah, Valentine's Day was uh, recently, uh, your mom's birthday was uh, several days ago. She gets cheated because she's so close. It's she's, the worst. She's it's like having a birthday on Christmas. Birthday, You're yeah.
3: going to end up getting one gift. Yeah. It's Speaking
2: brutal. of a birthday gift, I guess President Trump got a big fat birthday gift on Saturday when he was found. Doggone it, not guilty. Did you get the feeling maybe it was it was like watching a, a rerun of a, of a TV show, Connor? I mean, yeah, we've seen this before. Yeah, we've seen this show before. We've seen this trial before. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the uh, back in the old days when Dallas was the number one show. They had an entire season that turned out to be a dream. Oh, it was not well received. What a cop out! Yeah. Oh yeah. So was this just just a bad dream? Yeah, uh, basically. I mean, we look at the
3: writers and we say, we've seen this before. There has to be an exciting uh, 11th hour development that actually changes the outcome so that the expected, oh, yeah, of course, they're not going to convict because a partisan minority uh, is going to, you know, they can't get 17 of them. There has to be something that happens dramatically. Maybe it's just a couple of, you know, people, men and women sit down around a table and they really hash it out and have dramatic monologues as though they're on the West Wing, whatever to change the outcome. It's just the same thing again. That's that's not a good ending to the season at all.
2: So we're going to talk about the impeachment uh, trial. We're going to talk about uh, kind of the way forward for the Republicans and the Democrats in the post-Trump era, or is it a post-Trump era? Ugh. And we're going to finish off the episode with uh, a pop quiz. I'm going to uh, pose the top 10 questions about presidents to Connor, and we'll just see how he did. He did pretty well uh, for uh, our pop quiz a few weeks ago. So.
3: Yeah, but this uh, President's Day-themed quiz, I feel like I might do a little bit worse on than sort of general knowledge, you know, science, pop culture, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm I'm scared. I'm scared.
2: So let's talk about uh, the impeachment trial kind of in the context of the political situation. I mean, okay, I'm a libertarian. You're a progressive. Um, I have a feeling that maybe 2020 was bad news for for both sides of the ideological spectrum Uh, uh, on the left I think one takeaway is, I know not all progressives agree, but I think one takeaway is Americans really are not in love with the progressive approach. With all the publicity about defunding police and open borders and Green New Deal and Medicare for all, it it didn't seem to resonate. uh, The Republicans did better than expected in the House. They kind of, you know, they would have been fine on the Senate, but for Trump tossing away the two Georgia seats— and yes, Trump lost, but of course he's he's Donald Trump. So I think there is that problem. The voters also rejected Trumpism, uh, you know, not white nationalism, tea parties, the, the people that that uh, clung to Donald Trump. But I think that perhaps progressives uh, are in worse shape going forward because it's not going to be easy to placate the Bernie Bros. I think if they feel dissed by Biden. And who knows if they will, but I think they'll sit out 2020. Uh, I, I think Republicans, on the other hand, assuming Donald Trump is out of the picture, they will come back to the traditional Republican conservative uh, approach, even though they may be populists, he may even though they may be anti-globalists because they want their tariffs to protect their jobs. Uh, so I think in that sense, again, assuming Trump is out of the picture, and we'll talk about that possibility in a minute, I have a feeling the Republicans might be in, in slightly better shape. What, what say you? That's a it's a tough question. I mean, when you say
3: preliminarily, when you say that that 2020 was bad for both sides of the political spectrum, my initial reaction is, well, it's a zero sum game. It can't be bad for everybody because they're fighting for a limited number of seats. They're both rent seekers. One of them's going to reach uh, this the, the rent the treasure at the center. So in that way, it, it seems nonsensical. But I think you might be right because it. I think it was. Bad for both sides of the political spectrum, both ends of the political spectrum, but the the center of the political spectrum, which is to say the pretty conservative Democrats like Joe Biden, the people who uh the people who you know support establishment Democrats, the the Pelosi fans, um, even the Elizabeth Warren stands, whoever you know whoever you want to put in that in that pile, um, that maybe you could say the Joe Mansions of the world. Um, These are pretty conservative people, but they're, uh, you know, they're aligned uh, politically and on the the battle lines in terms uh, with uh, the Democrats. Those people, I think, benefited greatly because the progressives who pushed for like myself, who pushed for uh, big disruptive changes in a time where we felt like society was um, in uh, such great danger that it should really highlight how much. Change is needed. How much is wrong with the system, and how how big the the uh, uh, the, the shifts need to be in order to uh, to to address the problems that we're facing? I mean, when you see uh, this weekend the cold uh, snap that is blanketing uh, much of the south and middle uh, uh, of the country. With incredibly bad sub-zero temperatures, and we see our, our our physical infrastructure in this country suffering, and there are millions uh, out of power and in danger of freezing to death at the moment uh, because people have electric heaters. Um, you know, the progressives like myself would say, "Look, this is climate change. This is our infrastructure failing. People's lives are uh, in danger. We need to take huge, dramatic steps." But guess what? That's not human nature. Human nature is not to rise to the occasion when things get bad. Human nature is to run back to that which is known and feels comfortable, which is the power of the conservative party. But it's also the power of the conservative wing of the Democrats. So Joe Biden, in a pandemic, was able to say, I'm the bad guy you know. I'm, you know, just Uncle Joe. Right. I'm just the most comforting, familiar figure in the world. And when things get rough, you'll run back to me. It, that's human nature. And it takes a, a really strange set of circumstances for people to hear um, I'm you know, I, I think we should disrupt the currently under severe disruption society even more and go with a Bernie type. Or, uh, you know, an AOC type. As while well, that person appeals to the, the person who's already unhappy with the status quo, anybody who's happy with the status quo is going to sprint back into Uncle Joe's arms. And they're also going to run back towards the conservative side of the middle of the road, which is, you could say, middle of the road conservatives. Now, in America, what does middle of the road conservative mean? They're hard to even find, but they, they look like Joe Biden, basically. They're Joe Biden. But the the middle of the political spectrum, I think, benefited the most from 2020, like you said. I don't know, moving forward, if progressives uh, are going to be able to – yeah, as you put it, the, the very important question, are the Bernie bros going to stay home in 2022? Are the are the, are the people who were uh, – energized by defund the police, who are energized by Medicare for All, who are energized by the possibility of a Green New Deal, are they going to keep coming out? Are they going to keep winning elections for Democrats? I'll tell you one thing. If Donald Trump's
2: on the ticket in 2024, they're going to come back out. Well, that might be
3: true. That might be. Well, but, you know, of course, so will the Trumpers, right? So I think the, the them staying home uh, we can see that when there's no Donald Trump on the ticket and you've instead got uh, an inspiring figure like Barack Obama from, you know, a, a couple of election cycles ago, his first election, then his sec- second election, uh, you got a lot, a lot of, of, of uh, you know, people who would grow up four years later to be Bernie bros, in many cases, coming out and being inspired by a a, a person who was represented progressivism, even if he didn't end up manifesting it that much, Um And the Trumpers stayed home because, you know, it's not as sexy to vote against somebody as it is to vote
2: for somebody. So the idea of the Trumpsters coming out again, I mean, they did their best this time uh, when they were up against somebody that wasn't uh, inherently amazingly unlikable. Yeah. I I mean— Let's let's face it. The Democrats brought Donald Trump on themselves by nominating Hillary Clinton, someone that many many Americans just could not see in the White House. I mean, how do you lose to Donald Trump with that you know access Hollywood stuff and his background? How do you lose? And yet she found a way. Well, now when you put up Professor Blando, mm-hmm. Joe Biden, right? He beats him yeah. pretty handily. Yeah, I was always in
3: the in the camp that it wasn't really Hillary's fault. Um, But I think Joe Biden's decisive victory over Trump, not as decisive as it could have been, but decisive victory over Trump does actually strengthen the idea that uh, Hillary was a bad candidate for whatever set of reasons. Now, were those reasons mostly that. Right-wing media created a ridiculous narrative that she killed a bunch of people in Benghazi that she definitely did not do. Were those reasons that the right-wing media stirred up a bunch of conspiracy theories about her emails that, you know, just inflamed people's underlying uh, sexist, misogynist, that is, tendencies – In order to, you know, have an excuse to dislike somebody because she was a woman, because she was older, because she's not particularly attractive, because all of these reasons that people, you know, are are prejudiced, were prejudiced against her. Sure. But all those factors go into whether she is, air quotes, a good candidate. And that's my calculus that I have to do and just try to decide was, you know, was that loss Hillary Clinton's fault or was the win uh, Donald Trump's to Donald Trump's credit. I mean, of course, it's always a mixture of all all of the above. And I think it's also most important in the way that we evaluate future candidates that we take into account both of those things that we say, is this person the kind of person who's going to be exploitable by, say, a right wing media conspiracy machine that gins up lies and inflames prejudices against this person. If you run a Kamala Harris um, in uh, the next uh, general election as your presidential candidate, you've got to know what's coming. You've got to be ready for it. And if you're not ready for it, then you're falling down as a party. Strategically, you're ignoring the reality that people are going to use human nature, sexism, racism, misogyny, whatever, uh, against you. And they have to. You have to be ready. I think that the Democrats got caught flat-footed. I think that they thought sh- uh, uh, Hillary was a sure thing. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's Hillary's fault for being a woman or for being uh, Bill Clinton's husband or for being uh, the the target of previous conspiracy. W- what wife actually?
2: Was just uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Good, good catch. Good catch. I appreciate. I appreciate. Shows still so I was listening. Over there. Yeah. Exactly. But I think it was the Democratic Party's fault for not hearing that, seeing that coming and uh, accounting for it
2: somehow. I mean, well, these are political strategies. they got to make moves. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on one point. I think there were many, many, many reasons uh, for, for people yeah. to dislike yeah. Hillary Clinton and vote against her. When we come back, uh, what are the four ways the Republicans might just get rid of Donald Trump from consideration in the next few years? We'll cover that. But first, Connor's going to let you know how to rate and subscribe Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for
3: listening. And if you want to keep listening, um, go to our Is that podcast. A <laughs> no, 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 no. Sounded like I'm a going threat. to help you enable. No. Yeah, uh, if, you, if you want to keep listening. Um, uh, Go to our podcast page on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or Stitcher or whatever platform it is you use and make sure you're clicked on subscribe and make sure you get us every week so you don't have to go find the the new episode every week. And if you could leave us a, a review, a little five star review, a little comment about how great we are. And heck, it would be even better if you could Share the link. Every platform's got link sharing. Just share the link on social media and say, hey, I'm listening to this podcast. Connor's great. There's also this guy named Royal. They're fantastic. Uh, No, as a team, they're fantastic. And uh, uh, we love it and appreciate it every time it helps out a lot.
2: We'll be right back with Too Many
0: Lawyers. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful?
2: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. I'm Connery. So, Connor, I thought we would run through the the ways that uh, the Republican Party, in a nonviolent way, could get rid of Donald Trump sure, sure, o- sure, over sure, the next sure. four
3: years. Because I, I think that's, that's the way they got to go. I mean, ha, yeah, have, are they all golf-related or only some of them Actually, golf
2: none of the four relate to golf. Then I have a fifth Suggest Continue. Okay, so we'll go through my four and then we'll get uh, to your one. So, uh, way number one, uh, somebody emerges, an alternative, uh, a Marco Rubio or a Mitt Romney or a Haley... Haley Berry, no. Uh, we're talking about Nikki Haley, right? Uh, the the governor, and good luck, right? right. It, it's not going to happen. Even if somebody did emerge as the clear favorite alternative, there's still one of several people who are competing for non-Trump votes, right? And so. I don't see that as a viable. Do you? Do you see some sort of a? Well, uh, I I think the alternative emerging.
3: Yes, I do see alternatives emerging.
2: If reanimate Ronald
3: Reagan, <laughs> if Walt Disney would be his running mate? I think the only way that you could pull Trumpers away and get them to vote, and it wouldn't even be a sure thing, is if you got Trump's endorsement. All you've got to do is go to Trump. He's going to endorse say, himself. All you've got to do as the as as the Republican Party is you go to Trump and you say, man. Those four years were rough, right? You're not going to have Twitter to talk about on the toilet this time. Uh, What are you even going to do? It's going to be brutal. Um, You're going to be miserable. You don't want to go through that again. You want to be the elder statesman.
2: You could try that. What do you think the chances are? Just on, you know, 1% to 100%. (laughs) What do do you think chances are that Trump will say?
3: You're right. I'm going for it. How about we write you a billion-dollar check and you Ooh, endorse whoever bribery. you want? Okay. You endorse Nikki Haley. You endorse uh, Ted Cruz. You endorse the person that we tell you to so endorse. So that might work
2: because he may need money. Exactly. Okay. So so that's one possibility. Somebody is going to emerge. Good luck. Yeah. Second a possibility uh, that, uh, for getting rid of Trump is he's exposed as a demagogue. I actually thought there was a possibility, since you know I'm so obsessed with the McCarthy era, hmm. in the 50s where the demagogue uh, crashed and burned. Uh, in front of a national TV audience, I thought, you know, that may well happen with Trump. And it, it just didn't. I mean, they tried at the end of the trial because remember during the riot, uh, Kevin McCarthy, head of the Republicans in the house, he's on the phone with Trump and he's saying, uh, Mr. President, there's a riot. Uh, Right. And, you know, these please people, call them know, off. Please call them off. And Trump said, oh, it's Antifa. I believe it's the Antifa people. Are and Kevin that. doubles down and says, you know, it's not right. Antifa. Of it's course, not, it's not your supporters. It's Trump supporters. Please call them off. Uh, uh, off." And Trump says, and this is a quote from yeah. a Republican uh, Congress person who supposedly was briefed on, on what McCarthy was told by Trump. Uh, this is what Trump said. Well, Kevin, I guess these people are more upset about the election than you are. Okay, now, if that doesn't expose the guy, as a demagogue, as somebody who does not deserve to ever be seriously considered again, I don't know what was. I mean, when you talk about the legal technicalities of whether he incited a riot and so on, you can argue both sides of that. And and I think most people recognize that if he were in a court of law in front of an unbiased set of jurors, he probably would win the trial in terms of whether he satisfied this tough Supreme Court Brandenburg standard. But who cares when you expose yourself as as truly not caring about the life, the safety of the guy who'd been so loyal to you, Mike Pence, uh, who, you know, these guys wanted to hang him, of everybody else who was in harm's way there. And instead, all you can say is, well, I guess these people are more upset about the election steal than you are, Kevin. I mean, how can that not expose somebody? Uh, and yet, I don't think it I don't think it's really changed the needle, do you? Uh, no, I, I don't think it does. I think the, the, pr- the problem here is
3: that That phone call represents Kevin McCarthy and a bunch of other Senate Republicans and innocent bystanders in the Capitol and the Democrats who are shocker people, too. They're all floating in the water and they're surrounded by sharks and Trump is on the boat and all he has to do is lower the life raft and send the tweet to call these people off. And Kevin McCarthy, his most devoted butt licking sycophant calls him and said, well, okay, maybe top five. Can, can you say butt-licking in a podcast? Yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's uh-huh. not a family okay. podcast. Okay. It's off, we're off the rails now. Mm-hmm. The most devoted butt-licking syph- uh, sycophant calls out to Trump, hey, we all know what's going on here. You can potentially save our lives, lower the life raft,
2: and Trump's attitude is, "Oh man, but those sharks—they look hungry." Okay, so so the bottom line is, this wasn't enough, right. to cause him to crash and burn like Joe McCarthy in 1954. Right. So that's option two. He's exposed as a demagogue. That ain't going to work. Yeah. Option number three: he's locked up. Turns up. He, it turns out his base wants a demagogue. Dang it. So he, he, maybe he'll be locked up. Now, yep. you have three uh, prosecutors going after him. The Southern District of New York is the uh, situs. Honestly, I think the laziest district is the Northern District of New York. We never hear a single thing out of them. Yeah, we don't. Uh, Just
3: because New York isn't in their jurisdiction or whatever. Right, New York
2: City, right. Right. So the prosecutors there in Manhattan uh, in the Department of Justice uh, supposedly have got an active investigation going. And, you know, people are speculating, oh, is it about his taxes? The New York Times ran like eight jillion words several months ago about how Trump uh, cheated on the value of his many properties to save millions in taxes. I think that was pre-COVID. Holy cow, it feels so long ago. No, 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 this was-, was in COVID? In the middle of COVID, okay. yeah. This is a New York Times deal. So maybe there are taxes. People are saying, oh, he must have been involved in money laundering and so on. And who knows? But there's this active investigation. Right. Secondly, you've got the district attorney there in Manhattan, yep. Cyrus Vance, the 17th. Uh, and his attitude is, oh, we're going to get him because of the- um, the hush money with Stormy right. Daniels right. and the other uh, pinup girls, and good luck on that. I, I think people see that that's just you know sure you, you're gonna you're gonna pay gals off if you if you're in the heat of the campaign. Maybe you didn't report it. You know what are you gonna do? Send him f- to jail for that? Uh, maybe. And then thirdly, you got the Georgia prosecutors down in Fulton County, Atlanta area, where they're gonna say, well, maybe the uh, the phone, phone call, call, the, the perfect yeah. phone, the second well, perfect phone call, yeah, yeah, to the Secretary of State was uh, illegal because when he said, hey. Uh, You know, all you have to do is find me, you know, 11,780 votes. Right. And you know, maybe that'll work. It it sure sounded fishy. On the other hand, he'll be able to say, well, I really, honestly, sincerely felt that there was fraud. And of course, you know, I'm going to say all I need is the number to win. That doesn't mean I want him to do anything illegal. I just want him to to dig harder and do what 61 uh, judges uh, in 80 lawsuits, uh, appellate cases, trial court cases, federal uh, state for two months— Trump fought the good fight through his fine lawyers, including Rudy Giuliani, (laughs) all over the place and came up with Zippo. Right. Uh, So maybe let's just uh, give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that he's a total idiot and he thought really there was a viable legal basis for challenging the election and he thought the Georgia people could help him. So I don't know if that's going to go in. I think ultimately it's going to go back to the Southern District. Either he did some really, you know, mafia type thug-like business crimes or he didn't. And a lot of people are very motivated to establish that he did. And Wouldn't it be fun to to see him uh, sharing a cell with the Night Stalker? So <laughs> I find it that's actually the only hope I think I
3: think it's actually the reverse. I think that more dramatic than numbers on a balance sheet that don't add up more dramatic than that. I know we got Al Capone on tax fraud or whatever, but more dramatic than that is the the audio of a phone call where a guy is talking like a mafia boss where he's saying, I'm going to make people offers they can't refuse. I just need uh, 11000 votes. He did threaten uh, blah, them with blah, criminal blah.
2: prosecution.
3: Right. And I think that is more compelling, and I think that is a better story to tell. I think that there are too many people in this country who are uh, millionaire bootlickers who want to vicariously live. <laughs> so I know everybody's bootlickers to, to bootlickers. Boot yeah, absolutely. I'm picking
2: up a, a light motif a theme, here. Yeah, a, a, theme a theme show oh, the episode like theme, Merv yeah. Griffin.
3: It's the it's the licking episode. Um, so uh, there are too many people out there who whose attitude it is. Everybody cheats on their taxes. All successful people lie to the government. The government's bad, and business. All politicians
2: is good. cheat on the uh, elections Ta- too. Right. How Jack Kennedy beat uh, Dick Nixon. Right.
3: Tax taxes are bad. Evading taxes is good. Politicians having sex. Well, you know, sex is good, and you know, being squeamish about it is bad. So I'm just going to be on the side of the the millionaire playboy tax evader politicians because. Their attitude is like, oh, gosh, I could be one of those these days. As the famous uh, quote goes about Americans, they, uh, uh, you know, the Americans all believe themselves to be millionaires whose ship just hasn't quite come in yet. And they're about to become one. And when they do, gosh darn it, they want to be able to do whatever they want uh, in, in this life. So it, it, people's attitude really is that. If Trump cheated on his taxes, his his base and a lot of other people who secretly have a sort of pro Trump leanings in the back of their minds, their attitudes are, well, everybody cheats in business. All these guys are cheating. And if if they oh if they flipped over Bill Gates and Warren Buffett's taxes and went over him as heavily as they did Trump's, I'm sure they'd find a bunch of wrongdoing because all You don't these think a jury would convict him. Wouldn't a
2: jury be looking at chops uh, over the opportunity to send Donald Trump to prison? And maybe, maybe a New York jury would, and that would be a very powerful. Yeah, and the thing. public opinion doesn't really matter if the prosecutors yeah. put it in front of a jury and it's the true. jury finds him guilty. Boom, off he it goes. True. Maybe the that's Alcatraz. all. You, that's all you need. <laughs> it's all, we re-open, reopen Alcatraz. Just, just for soul. Donald
3: Trump. Yeah, absolutely. Sole guy. Then. That would be very dramatic, and I would love it, and it would it would really put a capstone on uh, America's uh, sad decline. It would. I think it would be there there are our, our best way back you know it would be our best way to show the entire world look we reopened the most infamous dramatic movie setting prison and put Donald Trump in the tippy top cell at the very top of the tower, just like in a in a in a scary cartoon, uh,
2: just to prove that we're, that's not who we are anymore. So this the business about America's sad decline, Connor, I'm, I'm sorry, we're reversing sorry, sorry it to contradict you here. We got to reverse it. We are still a city uh, uh, on a shine, shining city on a hill, right? And we are the best nation in the world. And well, personalities come and go, but thank goodness we are still a beacon for democracy. How's that for a nice commercial for? the U.S. of A. Yeah. When we come back, the fourth and final way the Republicans might get rid of Donald Trump. Except for my golf suggestion, obviously. Way. Well, plus your golf Thank suggestion. You. We'll get to that as well when we return on Too Many Lawyers.
0: Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen posed that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.
2: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roy Lowe. And I'm Connor. X. So the fourth and final for my list, and then we'll get to Connor's uh, one... It's a really good item. So good. My fourth, the the way that uh, the Republicans get rid of Trump is, uh, of course, health issues. He's no spring chicken. He's kind of a fatso. He isn't exactly a workout addict. Uh, Diet and exercise are not on his agenda. Um, So, you know, he he just may not be in a position to run in four years. You know, in a way, Connor, it's kind of irrelevant because the vast majority of incumbent presidents throughout American history over the last uh, century or so win. Right. And so the Republicans are almost certainly going to lose in four years anyway. Right. Now maybe they'll make great strides and take the Congress back from the Democrats, and we'll have a little compromise. And Joe Biden's good at that. That's what he's done his entire professional life as a politician. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of the, the White House, you know, the odds are, are really heavy uh, against the Republicans winning anyway. But uh, it, it, I guess the I guess the bonus question here is. Are the Democrats really better off with Donald Trump in the mix? I mean, I know they wanted to convict him. They had a kind of a dream of somehow convincing 17 Republicans to join uh, the, the vote to convict him. And that would give the Democrats the power by a bare majority to disqualify Trump from ever running again. Plus, separately, there's the 14th Amendment. Uh, Apart from the impeachment clause in the Constitution that says if you led an insurrection, you may no longer hold federal office. Theoretically, the Democrats could have invoked that. Um, Kind of would have been a tough putt, I think, to to try to to sell that to the American public. That we, the partisan Democrats in the Senate, are going to decide that the choice of 74 million people in 2020 shall not ever be able to run again. So, I mean, it gets back to the question. Aren't the Democrats better off with this guy fulminating and bloviating and starting a third party that will absolutely doom the Republicans' uh, ability to win in 2024? Why not just let the guy run wild? Are they really afraid of him moving his uh, 74 million people up up uh, the, the ladder to, to where he would eke out a victory in 2024 against wh- whoever, Kamala Harris, or if Joe Biden is still Hale and hardy? You know, I think it gets back
3: to the idea that <clears throat> the
2: Democrats are motivated
3: not just by their hopes of electoral success and that they will, you know, have the presidency for four more years. But but that, by their impassioned hatred of Donald Trump. <clears throat> yeah. But by their how
2: are you ahead? No, I
3: mean, that, that's the other motivation. No, I, I'm saying but by the, the desire to have America look a certain way and have the conver- the political conversation be a certain thing for the next four years while Trump is, you know, considering running and then choosing to run and then and then running. Right. It would have been better for America if Trump quietly went into golf-based retirement and his ideas went with him. It would be better for the Democrats, it'd be better for the Republicans, it'd be better for everybody. It'd be better for everybody except Trump and his base who still have, you know, strong racist, misogynist, uh xenophobic Uh, ideas that they want to propagate and keep in the public eye. When the demagogue, when the McCarthy-style demagogue leaves the public conversation, the conversation shifts. We start talking about different stuff, and the Democrats are going to have to fight against the Build the wall style nonsense in the next election. And even if that makes them 20 percent more likely to win the presidency, then the conversation when the the Joe Biden retakes off the the office is, oh, man, this guy's not going to build us a wall. And there are a bunch of conservative Democrats out there who kind of like the idea of a wall because they're kind of racist and they're kind of xenophobic and they're kind of not uh, don't really understand how how much things cost and how effective they are and and they just kind of want a symbol that says America's special and different and you can't come here. I'm better than people who aren't here. Like they're just it changes the conversation to have a guy like Donald Trump in the political running. And so the Democrats weren't just thinking, well, we will win the presidency. If we bar uh, Trump from running, in fact, I think they all know that having, you know, if they had won on that and barred Trump from office, they would have been uh, less they, they would have been less likely to then win the presidency. But they were pursuing it anyway because they are in politics for a reason. And that reason is to change America in a certain direction. And Trump's mere presence in the political campaign changes it the other direction.
2: So let's talk uh, inside baseball in terms of uh, whether uh, the U.S. senators as jurors in yeah, this impeachment trial, weird. yeah, are um, fundamentally different from uh, uh, every other juror on the planet in every other trial. Yeah, imagine for example, Connor. Um, a, a guy's on trial for uh, a harrowing burglary, home invasion. Exciting! And he came into the house and he whi- pistol-whipped people and he, and he injured people and he frightened them to death and he nearly killed some of them and he did kill a couple of them. And so now he's on trial. Thank goodness he's been caught. Right. And now you bring a bunch of people into the uh, into the jury box and yeah. of course the voir dire the process. The the judge asks some questions. The lawyers ask some questions. So uh, voir dire is is Latin. It means jury selection, basically. Right. So um so the The lawyer uh, for the uh, prosecution says, oh, Mrs. Terwilliger, um, uh, I see you live here in town. Uh, uh, Let's see. Do you you know any of the, the parties involved in this case? Well, yes, I, I know the defendant, uh, could be, he actually pistol-whipped me. I was there that I was night. the victim. I was the victim, my entire family. Of the crime. Well, Mrs. Terwilliger, do you believe that you can set aside any preconceived notions and biases and, and render a, a fair and impartial verdict here? Do you think that would be, be possible? Well, yes, I think I could. On the other side. Well, Mrs. Terwilliger, w- would you possibly be more comfortable hearing a different... No, I can be very unbiased here. So... The, these senators yeah. were terrified, right. okay? Not only in general do you have to qualify as a juror, you have yeah. to say, you know, I can keep an open mind, given them all my life experiences, but also, oh, I was not a victim yeah. of this particular defense. I think even more
3: powerful than I was a victim of this uh, incitement to riot, even more powerful than that is that a lot of people's uh, political futures, maybe all their political futures— hang in the balance of this impeachment trial. Whether they thought that that exoneration was better for them or whether they thought that conviction was better for them them, or whether it was just murky and unknown, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that all of them see that their political futures are tied to the political futures of Donald Trump because tied to the political futures of Donald Trump is the Republican Party and therefore is the Democratic Party and therefore is every other minor party. There's no person on that jury in the Senate Whose political futures is not changed by the outcome of that. And right. that is so different. That's like saying that you're, the jurors are— In addition to deciding whether this guy committed the crime of of burglary, they're also deciding whether they get fired from their own jobs. Oh, my God, it's impossible. You can't even think about it as a jury. It's just not even—and that's why everyone keeps saying, you know, harping on this concept, oh, impeachment is not a legal process, it's a political process. And everybody goes, well, what the heck does that even mean? And this is what it means. It means there's no way to separate them. There's no way to even think about it like a trial. And to call it a trial, it honestly is just more confusing than— it
2: is elucidating, it's ridiculous, I can't think of a better word, but no no, you're right, but I think the bottom line is you know I, I can rant about it, you can rant about it, but the fact of the matter is that's the way the system has is built. Um, yeah. the founders knew that the senators would would be partisans, and they gave them this power, and I guess one way to look at it is that you know it's it's worked pretty well in terms of a worry that you'd be swept out of office, no president has ever been convicted uh, in an impeachment trial. Andrew Johnson barely escaped uh, being convicted. Now, Richard Nixon probably would have been convicted, but he he quit early. So but he wasn't convicted. And then we've got Bill Clinton. He won. Donald Trump won twice. So it's not like the process has resulted in running people out of town on a rail. But I don't think that's really what the fear is. I I think
3: preliminarily the the, the statement that that the the founders knew that that the lawmakers would be partisans. and they uh, predicted this and built the system to accommodate right. that. I think that is wrong. I think that that Washington's uh, you know famous speech where he says political parties, the growth of political parties, will be the greatest danger to the American po- uh, po- uh, political uh, system, and that we have to stamp it out. We have to stop it. We have to make sure well, we don't that do it. Was
2: his hope that was aspirational, yeah. but he was surrounded by you know Jefferson. Uh, the Federalists uh, hated Jefferson. He hated them. Right. So. You know, I
3: think that is, is 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 blindness. It's it's them saying, "Well, my aspirational ideas about what politics could look like, or should, or might, or I hope will look like, is simply." Uh, it, it's silly to think that 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 it ever would look like that. That there's no reason to believe it would look, look like that. And later, political scientists and theaters uh, theorists for you know hundreds of years before that, frankly, and then now hundreds of years after that, have been saying that's just not how, not how game theory works. That's not how first past the post voting works. That's not how democracies work. That's not how any of this works. Two party systems naturally arise if you allow fifty. Uh, One percent of voters to determine uh, the president. Right. Or the the person who holds this one Senate seat. That's just how it works. You can create a different system that doesn't do this. But this system will produce this result. And the fact that the founders explicitly came out and said, we're creating system A and we think it will create we think it will and should uh, result in uh, result uh, Z. And when we look at all the theory and the reasons and the simple logic that says when you create system A, it will create system Y, not Z, as an outcome, we, we can't keep relying on the founder's judgment as to what the outcome should be. Or we can't we can't fall back on the idea that this system is infallible or perfect when explicitly it would be like somebody Writing a recipe on the internet you you, you got to make dinner you go on the uh, you go on the internet and uh you have a recipe and the recipe says this is going to make a delicious uh a hamburger for dinner and you go okay and you look at the pieces uh, uh, uh in the on the recipe list and there's no beef uh there's no bread there's no lettuce there's t- no tomato there's no pickles it's all a, a weird jumble of pasta ingredients and halloween candy <laughs> and you, you look at this and you go. What is this? Even
2: I'm getting nauseous.
3: And so for hundreds of years, people review this ingredient list and they go, we're political scientists and theorists and and we're smart people. And we think about this. There's no way this pasta and Halloween candy will turn into a delicious hamburger. And then you get a bunch of conservative jurists who say the guy who wrote this recipe is a super genius and he's infallible. And we should base everything we do on what his opinion was of how government should turn out. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe the Halloween well, candy pasta guy I was dumb. So here's
2: the deal, Connor. Write to your congressman and get a constitutional okay. amendment going to change the impeachment process. So our last question to address on the impeachment trial has to do with uh, whether the Democrats kind of blew it by not insisting on witnesses. Or a was really it, interesting question. Was yeah. this a smart move? So uh, during uh, the 2020 impeachment trial... Of Donald Trump, the Democrats did want witnesses and the Republicans ran the show in the Senate and they voted witnesses down. Okay, disappointing. Now we fast forward. The new impeachment trial comes up and the Democrats run the show. They have the power to subpoena Donald Trump and call for witnesses and might involve some depositions and delays and so on. So uh, just before the trial wrapped up on Sunday overnight, the Democrats debated until 3 a.m. and they said, we want witnesses. We want Congresswoman uh, Jamie Herrera. Butler to say McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, admitted that in a phone call during the riots with, with Trump, Trump claimed it was Antifa. When McCarthy said no, Trump said, well, then there, these people are more upset about the election than you are. So the Democrats wanted that to come in. And the Republican lawyer's response was, yo, we're going to depose 100 people. We're going to call 100 witnesses, including Hillary Nelson Clinton Pelosi and Maxine Waters and so on, Hillary Clinton. And how do you like that? It's going to drag on for weeks. And there were a bunch of Democrats who were saying, maybe it will drag on. We want witnesses. We want to make this a complete full trial. But at the end of the day, they had a compromise. They allowed the statement by Congresswoman Butler to come in. Right. And so that was it. No witnesses. You think the Democrats made the right call?
3: Okay, I think that as always in politics, it's a mixed bag. I think that. There may have been no better way to get that statement into the record that that Kevin McCarthy phone call uh, was very powerful, very important, and will sort of resonate through history as the defining call that that the Democrats hang their hat on in terms of did Trump uh know what was going on, do something wrong? Did he have the power to change the course of this uh, capital insurrection? And did he choose not to? And is that really good evidence of his mental state about whether he wanted this to happen in the first place, whether he uh, his tweets were endorsing it, et cetera, et cetera? I think that phone call, getting that phone call into the record was very good. I think that was very important. I think that the Democrats knew they were never going to win and actually convict Trump. And then just getting this stuff In the record and telling history, look, this is what we tried. This is what the Democrats stopped. uh, The Republicans stopped us from doing. That was all very powerful and good. The danger, of course, of doing that this way, which was calling the witness bluff, getting the witness bluff called, but getting the phone call into the record anyway. That is saying we want witnesses having the Republicans say, well, even though we will say, you know, we'll drag uh, Hillary Clinton and Maxine Waters and everyone else and Kamala Harris in here and, and depose them too and have them you know be called as witnesses and we'll ruin your lives and we'll ruin the American people's lives and make sure the Senate doesn't do anything for the next two months whatever <laughs> even though that was their their play and they got their that might actually
2: help the American public if the Senate did nothing for two months was just an opinion so if that was if that was their move
3: uh, they might. They 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 knew that that was a move that they could have made, but it would have shot themselves in the foot to some degree as well. And so they were willing to give up on letting the phone call into the record. I think that was a good move by the Democrats. The question just remains in my mind, was there another way to get this phone call into the records? And I don't know. Maybe there was. Maybe there wasn't. Maybe this was the only way to do it. If it's the only way to do it, or if you can show me that it was the only practical way to do it, that there was no other way to get the Republicans on board with this call getting into the record— then getting your bluff called and looking bad because of it for a little while was worth it. I think the wow. Democrats got caught a lot of flack because the idea of the whole impeachment was uh, we will fight for you. You hate Donald Trump. You know, he did bad stuff. You know, he caused the Capitol insurrection. Someone should pay for that. Someone should get punished for that. There should be official a designation that this guy's bad and that he did something wrong and that they were going to fight for that. But that's the whole reason their office. Right. These Democrats, they they won and got sent to Washington to push Back against Trump and give him the middle finger and say, we're—sorry, can I say middle finger on this family podcast? Okay, good. Um, Give him a bootlicking middle finger and say, say, you're a bad guy and we repudiate you and we're better than that. And so that's what they're doing with the impeachment trial. The question is, does— Getting your bluff called and looking weak by backing down on witnesses actually hurt your case too much and weaken the impact of what you're doing by trying to impeach Trump. I don't think it weakened it enough to outweigh the strength of getting that phone call on the record. I think the Democrats did the right thing. And when you Even say, though they caught a lot of flag. And
2: when you say in the record, I mean, it's in the public's
3: mind. Right, and so whether it's it technically in a record or yeah. not, people, you're, people you're have right. heard about and, it. But getting it out there in the trial was the whole point. And I think you're right. The, the logistics of whether, because it's not a real trial, uh, it doesn't actually matter. You're right. So- time for our presidential pop quiz oh no promise i got sweaty
2: palms oh no connor is going to be exposed as a demagogue over here i don't know anything about presidential history top 10 questions question number one connor what president had the highest approval rating for a month since records have been kept would it be john kennedy or george w bush for a single month for a single month Uh, highest snap that off easy george w bush
3: after 9-11 that's right Uh, well actually no Uh, um did I offer too much more information? Me? I met George W. Bush, period. Don't worry about it. I'm not even saying.
2: You know, actually, the the answer they give is what you said, George W. Bush, 90%. But I have a recollection that his dad was 93% during and after the Gulf War. Well, I mean, the so war's that good.
3: Let's give them both. I presence. was worried that JFK might have had uh, an approval rating after he got shot.
2: And that that, I wouldn't mean, count. you can't
3: top that, you right? You can't,
2: but it wouldn't count because, he, cause you, you know, you can't impeach somebody after they've been out of O. Yeah, oh, that makes O. Oh, That's wait. different. Yeah. You got, you're right. Question number two. In what year did construction of the Washington Monument begin? Was it 1848 or was it 1804? <sighs> Washington Monument, first year. Connor, what do you Okay, guess? okay, okay. I think
3: 1804 is way too close to 1776. I'm
2: going to say 48. You're right. 1848 is the year. Question That's number three: What president was the last to hold office from a party other than the Republican or Democrat party? Thank would God it be these are multiple choice. Would it be Millard Fillmore or Teddy Roosevelt? Last president, not a Republican or a Democrat. So
3: Teddy Roosevelt was a member of some party where they like rode buffaloes and loved national parks or something. So I'm going to go with. Teddy.
2: Mm, sorry. No. Millard Fillmore. Uh, Millard Fillmore was a Whig, a or just before, you know, Lincoln and the Republicans. I thought Teddy came was along a bull moose slavery party. And yeah. stop segregation for yeah. for a century. Right, right, right. Uh, no, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, after he was a Republican president right. and was out of office, yeah. he said, I want to go to uh, on a safari. So William Howard Taft can uh, take over as president. Right. Because he had been vice president and Taft won. Then when Teddy didn't approve of what Taft had done, he came back, ran as a bull moose party guy and he lost. Oh, so it, he didn't win as the Bull Moose. That's right. Oh my gosh. The question gosh. was to hold office. That's from a, a tricky room. one. I feel was, robbed. That was clever. Question number four. How many states... Have produced presidents? Would it be thirty-two states or twenty-one states? Twenty-one. There haven't been that many presidents, and you're they're right. pretty much all from you're, the important. You're states. right. It is twenty-one, but it's kind of amazing when you think. I mean, out of our fifty states, a small fraction have ever produced a single president. Yeah, but we, think we think need of, more Wyoming and Hawaii well, presidents. Think about the
3: population you? numbers of Wyoming and Hawaii. I think twenty-one is probably fantastically diverse in terms of origins. If you ran the statistics Thank on, it. I mean, God,
2: they've got two senators.
3: California is like what a third of the people in America. Like, come on, like they're gonna. Have They should
2: have a third of the presidents, and they have, like, four. You're doing pretty well. You've got uh, three out of four rights so far. Question number five. Which state was Abraham Lincoln born in? Was it Kentucky or was it Illinois? Illinois. Uh, You know, there's a trick question. If you go to Illinois and you read the license plate frames... Yeah, it's the land of uh, Lincoln. Actually, the license plates. Uh, I don't know, because when I was in prison, I made a lot of them. Uh, (laughs) It says land of Lincoln. That's because he grew up and came of age in Lincoln. Oh, no. And... In Illinois, but actually he was born in Kentucky. Good try, though. These Uh, questions are brutal. That's not fair. Question six. Who was the only president in our history born in California? Would it have been Ronald Reagan or Richard Nixon? Oh, it's Richard Nixon. He's uh, from, uh,
3: uh, he was born in the Simi Valley. No, his, That's where his presidential library his is. Was he in Palo Alto?
2: No, no. You're thinking of your Belinda,
3: and he grew up in Whittier. Yorba yeah. That's it. He got the statement. There, there, there are two presidents from California, and the other one's from Palo Alto. And Reagan, of course, is the fake-out because he was the, ca- the governor of California. So obviously the answer well, is Nixon. And, and Reagan was
2: born in Illinois, I believe. But only one was born in California, right. and that's, that's, that's Richard Nixon. All right, question number seven. Who was president when Alaska became the 49th state? Would that have been Dwight Eisenhower or Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Roosevelt. Okay, Eisenhower or FDR when Alaska became a state. So Seward's folly is the nickname for Alaska
3: because they bought it. Yeah, but that's in Seward, the 1860s. A, yeah, it wasn't a state yet; it was just territory. That's a long, long. You're starting time at ago. the beginning here, right? Yeah, yeah. you got got to go back to what I know. You know, plumb the
2: depths of what I actually know. Now, this is like when Regis Philbin told uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire contestants, "Talk it through, think it, think right, it out right, loud." Right, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. You're, you're, you're my gonna Regis. Get, You're
3: going to get to the right Always conclusion. Always been my Regis. Okay. Okay, so um, I think that you, you'd think that FDR would have expanded the, the size of the uh, of the uh, uh, of the, uh, the, the states. that is the the US because he's a big government guy, right? And he wanted to but actually it bringing in what became and was predictably going to be a, another conservative state to tip the balance of the Senate. Uh, I think would be a, a Republican move. And I also think that Eisenhower, um, as a co- or, you know, early Cold War guy, would have brought uh, uh, made Alaska a state as a big uh, middle finger to the buffer, Russians. Buffer over the yeah, Bering exactly. Strait. Yeah. We're saying okay. we're, we're expanding well, our really empire. Talked it through. Yeah, Regis
2: so- would be calling for a commercial by now if you were on Millionaire. <laughs> uh, can I get a lifeline? No, it's Eisenhower. You're right. Yes. So, but here's the deal: um, when Alaska became the 49th state in 1959, near the very end of uh, Dwight Eisenhower's eight years, fifty-two to sixty, ha- Hawaii also ah, became a state. So that's and how they so it was actually it a deal yeah. where there would be people thought there would be a conservative state. And a liberal state, right. two Democrats in the Senate added, yeah. two Republicans in the Senate added. Right. In other words, fairness. In other words, compromise. Right. Now, for example, just uh, thinking hypothetically, if there were another situation, DC and, and Puerto Rico, that would not be a fair compromise. DC would is full it because of a bunch of brutal, evil politicians? I'm sure they'll be conservative because it would increase the size of the like Senate I said, by four sure percent. Well, okay, you got that one right. You you're doing very well. Uh, question number a man eight. Can dream. C- question number eight. What president's wife found love letters from another woman in his suitcase, and as a result nearly divorced him was this fdr or bill clinton whose wife found love letters from another woman in his suitcase connor what do you think i don't think presidents in the 90s had suitcases that's my answer. People I think. to carry uh, stuff yeah, for exactly.
3: them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Secret service agents to do that sort of thing. So your answer
2: yeah. is Franklin? Roosevelt. Yeah, it's definitely FDR. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, it was Franklin <laughs> Delano Roosevelt. Hillary was never with, involved in such. And with impeccable, an perfect logic. That's right. All right. Question nine. Which president was also a chief justice of the United States Supreme Court? Was it William Howard Taft or Benjamin Harrison? So this was William Howard Taft. Uh, He never
3: really wanted to be president, I don't think. And he just wanted to retire to a life of unassailable dignity
2: as a uh, Supreme Court justice and went back to the court. Didn't have to work. Just tell his clerks to write up
3: opinions. Exactly.
2: Very easy. You're right. Absolutely right. All right, last question, number 10. How many presidents were Eagle Scouts? How oh, many presidents have been Eagle Scouts? Would it be five or one? And the bonus question is, who was that? Oh, my uh, gosh. If it's one, who was the Eagle Scout uh, guy? But maybe it's five. So what do you think? Have we had five presidents as Eagle Scouts or one? I think that Jimmy Carter being our
3: nerdiest president okay. sets him apart. It was think, a nuclear injury. I think he, there's only
2: one, and it was Jimmy. Well, you're right about it being one. It was Gerald Ford. Though. Oh, Gerald Ford hes, was
3: a, he's not a nerd at all. Very I was way good.
2: Off. I, you got practically—I think you got eight out of ten right. Yeah, Something I'm like that. great. Yeah, it was a very good performance. For all—I got them right for all the wrong reasons. But let's not <laughs> go into that. Well, I hope you folks have enjoyed our recap of this historic impeachment trial I have. and enjoyed Connor's triumphant uh, behavior on the presidential pop quiz. We'll see you next week on Too Many Lawyers.